<laughs> Thank you for that delayed but growing appreciation. <laughs> wow, that worship was awesome. Uh, it's really amazing. Um, when I first started uh, giving this message, which was about 37 years ago, uh, there were no, I think I'm a little hot on this mic, uh, there were no songs about the Father's love. Uh, Brian Dirksen uh, from Canada was the first person who ever wrote a father song. And it amazed me. And then we had the good fortune to have John Barnett and Marie Barnett, who wrote Breathe, in our church in Mission Viejo. And he began to write a lot of father songs. Now, when uh, I've just recently started to listen to Christian radio, ever since we got Sirius XM on our new car. And, uh, and I just realized that half the songs are filled with the Father's love. They talk about the Father's love. This, and it's indicative of something, that the Father's love is being revealed throughout the world in an unprecedented way. And uh, several months ago, I had the opportunity to go uh, shoot uh, 10 different programs with a man called Sid Roth, and these shows will be probably coming out next week or the following week. And uh, I just happened to, to go back there with a young man called Parker Green and his wife, Jesse, who did some of the revival readings, meetings around here. And when I was doing my show with them, Sid Roth, who I'd never met before, just happened to be in the building that day. And he heard the show. And he uh, invited me to his office. And he said this to me, he said, uh, I was listening to what you were saying, and he said, when you were speaking, I felt something in my heart that I've never felt in my entire life. Now, he's 80 years old, and he, he's had everybody you can think of on that show. But what he felt was that movement of the Father's love in his heart, finding him. And... As a result, they invited me to come back and do these shows. And, uh, and the thing that amazed me was that these all the, the large staff, that one thing they said is that we have never heard this before. And I published a book 20, year, 20 years ago called The Father Loves You, and they're republishing it, and Destiny Images republishing it, because they're saying we've never heard this before. Now, the message of the Father's love in various forms is around in a lot of places. But for some reason, the particular message that the Lord revealed to me, especially the biblical underpinnings for it, that make it universal for every person, uh, has reminded me of something that, uh, you know, I'm still in the mix. So here I am, 35 years into it, and, you know, getting close to 80 actually, and here I am, you know, being able to one more time tell you and tell Laguna Niguel, the Father loves you. And I'm, I'm, all, I'm always thrilled to watch the evolution of the message and lifestyle in, in Mike. Uh, absolutely amazing how faithful he is to that, that message and the presentation of it. And there are so many uh, people here that I've known over the years involved in Mission Viejo and ministry here that really have caught this thing and, uh, and continue to uh, express it. And that it's wonderful because you're on the cutting edge of something that's really exploding. You know, Sid Roth and the people there, the one thing they got so excited about, see, they, they believe in the great, uh, you know, end-time revival in whatever form it takes. But they, they have that belief, and they believe in this thing of the progressive revelation of 
Jesus and the first great awakening, the the spirit and the Pentecostal uh, renewal that spread across the earth, uh, each with their own glory, the glory of the sun, the glory of the spirit. But now this thing of the manifestation of the glory of the Father and the manifestation of the glory of the Father is not a theological concept. Uh, It is God the Father manifesting his love here on earth. And that manifestation is part of the great end times manifestation. And so it's, it's, we're part of something that's wonderful here. But it's not only prophetically big, it's personally critical that each one of us has is, is come to this encounter with the Father's love. And so tonight, I would like to uh, come at the subject again with a slightly different angle. And uh, I think the things I'm sharing are things that have made it even more precious to me today. And uh, for those of you that have heard me before, maybe it'll become more precious to you. And for those of you who have never heard me or this message, or this is your first time here, I think it'll just strike at the center of your being uh, speak to something that uh, will awaken your senses to uh, your deep desire for the Father's love. And so the title of this tonight is called The Search for Love. The Search for Love. And this thing of understanding that we are all searching for love and whether we know it or not, we are all searching for God the Father's love. That is just a fact. Everyone in this room, in your heart, your heart and soul and spirit is searching to make connection with the Father in this love. Regardless of how much awareness you have, your heart and soul is very aware of its desire. And I was really impressed recently in rereading the book of Ecclesiastes Uh, where Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 3.11 this, He, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. But this thing, God has also set in the human heart. Every human being, when they were born, when they came into existence, God had already put eternity in your heart. Your heart wants to connect with eternity. Now, we understand that original sin got in the mix and and wants to make the journey harder, but your heart, regardless of original sin, has been placed in you as a gift from God the Father. Every one of you have it. And your heart wants to connect with the Father's love. What an incredible thing. Not only is the Father reaching out to you constantly, every moment of your life, but your heart is moving towards him. And the the thing is all about making this connection. The Father has placed in the heart of mankind a deep desire to search for an external love, excuse me, an eternal love, a love beyond any love that can be experienced in this world. Now, let's say that together. This is so important to understand in just living a life together. The Father, now it's allowed, the Father has placed in the heart of mankind a deep desire to search for an eternal love, a love beyond any love that can be experienced in this world. Now, this is an important thing to understand, is that all of us, our heart is reaching out to find this love beyond, this love that's beyond any love that we can find in this world. There are loves that we can find in this world, but our heart wants to keep connecting with this love beyond. So as I go through life, living life, I'm realizing that all the good that comes to me, uh, 
all the love that finds me is wonderful and I appreciate it. It's a gift from God. And then there are times when love doesn't find me in this life and you feel like you're without love. But I realize in those times that my heart is always looking for a love beyond. Uh, and But we need to know what is that love beyond. Our, our hearts are looking for it. But the love beyond that we're putting language to is the love of God the Father. Our pursuit of this perfect love through people, pleasure or performance, is destined to fall short and often leaves us disappointed, damaged, and lonely. So when we, when we come into life, we begin to pursue this perfect love. And we're actually programmed by God to pursue finding love through people, through the pleasure of the gifts of his creation, uh, even through achieving the performance of our gifts. But in those things by themselves, what happens is that they, none of them are ideal. And as a result, we don't find the love we're looking for in those things. And our heart is looking for something that's beyond. And if we just try to find the love in these things, either in people or the world's pleasures or performance of some kind, even religious performance, it's destined to fall short and often leaves us disappointed, damaged, and lonely. And when we take a look at the world around us, that is so broken, uh, so many lives living with disappointment, they're damaged, but the big thing is loneliness. If there's one thing that marks our society today, it's loneliness. People are lonely because they're searching for love and they haven't been able to find the love beyond and they've looked solely at these things that can be broken, relationships with people, uh, the pleasures of this world, or even through trying to earn it in some measure. Now, for those of you that haven't heard this before, you know, it makes me think of my own personal testimony. And maybe this will give some illustration to this. Now, when I grew up, when I was a little boy, the first place I looked to find this love was from my dad. And that's the way God makes us because our fathers were meant in a perfect world to represent God as a loving father. And so, you know, I looked to my dad to give me this fatherly love, this affectionate love, this affirming love. But my father came from a generation where they didn't know how to do that. So he was never able to just, he wasn't into affection like holding me or hugging me. He wasn't into saying you know, intimate things like, I love you, my son. And so there was none of that that came my way, but I was looking for that fatherly, affectionate affirmation. And that's not a bad thing. But when I looked to receive it from my father, it never came to me. Now, my father was a, a good man in many ways. And I can describe my relationship with him primarily because it, a lot of it uh, can be seen in the whole metaphor of my relationship with him through baseball. You know, he was my coach, and he at one time wanted to be a professional baseball player, so he wanted me to become a great pitcher. And so we would practice in the backyard and if uh, again and again, and if I didn't do really well in one game, we'd practice some more. And then I just have vivid memories. I even have a photograph of my dad and I playing catch and playing baseball where, you know, he's got the catcher's mitt and I'm up in the mound in the old lot near our house and he'd hold that catcher's glove and then I would just wind up and throw the ball as hard as I could and 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 if I didn't hit it, that meant I had to chase it down the canyon. But if I hit it, then he'd say, way to go, son. You know, I just got this bit of affirmation like, way to go. And if he said to me, if you can hit the glove, you're going to be a success. And those words went in me. Now, that wasn't all bad. But the thing is, is when I missed the glove, 
I would usually get you know, some kind of you know, reaction from my dad that wasn't affirming. Now, so he, had, he put a lot of, you know, bet a lot of his chips on me in baseball. Now, the result is, and I haven't really talked about this much before, but the result is, is I went to San Diego State, and I had a recommendation from, you know, my baseball coach here in, at high school level, and I was being tracked for a baseball scholarship. And I went, so the first year I was playing on the freshman team, uh, but the problem was is that because of, I was only 17 years old away from home, and just prior to that, the year before I started get, you know, I started to surf, and I started getting the surfer's life, and with that went partying. So when I was in college, I just was partying all the time and playing baseball. Now the problem was is that when my grades came to my dad, I had flunked out of college, even though I was a, a really good student in high school. When that happened to my dad, my dad became so furious and angry and, and virtually disowned me. And I can remember him chasing me out of the house. I mean, so angry at one point. Running, I was running with fear from my dad. And as a result, I moved out. 18 years old, I moved out. And that was this big wound, you know, of being alone without my dad and feeling the pain of rejection and the fear of failing a father. And so with this emptiness, I had this core emptiness that came out of that. And I think that none of us have a perfect father. And the thing is, all of us have a bit of emptiness, some more than others. So how are we going to remedy that? And so the way I was going to remedy is I'm a surfer. And I'm going to party. <laughs> and the result was is what I call the, my four lost years. I lost four years of my life. From 1962 to 1960 are lost, wasted. And I, and I grieve over it. Uh, and I certainly wasn't finding the love that I was looking for through pleasure. It's like Solomon said, I tried it all. And I couldn't find what I was looking for. And, I, and so the result is, is that not only was I disappointed, but I became damaged in the process. And I think the, the great saving moment from God the Father was when he had me and my, my surfing buddies crash, uh, 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 what did we call it, Janet? A slumber party. I was going to say sleeping over party, slumber party. We crashed a slumber party. And when we crashed that Sunday slumber party, we come in and, uh, and the, somehow we start playing spin the bottle. And so we play spin the bottle and I spin the bottle and uh, you had to kiss whoever, you know, the bottle pointed at. And guess what happened? The bottle pointed towards my beautiful wife, Janet. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I kissed her, and I found the love I was looking for. And we had this incredible, you know, passionate, loving connection, and now we've been married 56 years, so it sort of stood the, the <laughs> test of time. However, I realize now that even though our relationship was fast and furious and we got married very early, I don't know that that, that love would have covered, carried us all the way. Because one year into it, my mother passed away, and, and I had like an emotional collapse, and the result was is one night when you know, I was just in this darkness, Janet cried out in prayer, and the Spirit of God came in our room. And we, we, knew, we knew nothing about this. And when the Spirit came in, it was like the Spirit of Jesus came in, and I was completely transformed. I mean, as far as uh, going through this terrible emotional breakdown, the physical breakdown, in, mo immediately I was at peace. I fell asleep. The next day we went to a little Presbyterian church, heard about Jesus for the first time. And, you know, I, I just wanted to stand up and said, I'm, he came into our room last night. We, we met him. 
and that and we we sort of lined up with our experience with our belief and we became Christians and we were powerfully saved and uh, it was it was it was so beautiful and I remember when on that in that on the pew of that Presbyterian church that you know the I was shaking, I was crying, and I was meeting Jesus, and I didn't realize that the Spirit was on me in power, and I was, you know, and the Father's love was on me, and all this stuff was happening. And, you know, I asked somebody who'd been around for a long time, uh, what's going on? And he said, well, you're a new Christian, you'll get over all that stuff. <laughs> and we did. But the one thing we did as a result is we went, we, they drafted us to teach junior high. And so we, we, we were just like two or three months into this whole journey. Next, you know, we're helping out in ministry. And that was the beginning of our ministry. And it just kept, you know, just kept evolving till still going on. Uh, but at this point, I want to say we had found Jesus, but we didn't know much about the Holy Spirit. And we certainly didn't know the father other than he was you know part of the trinity and it was at that point that we had been touched and we were in our journey but and, but we were still searching because like in the U2 song we hadn't found the love we were looking for yet and that love that was looking for us we did because we didn't realize that once we found Jesus Jesus wanted to lead us to the father and that was going to be the next thing uh, where we would get plugged into after this long search what I call the source of love. We're all searching, but our destination is to be plugged into the source. In John 4, 8, we realize, you know, we read this common verse. He says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. God is the eternal source of love. And it, the love in God, the Godhead, is a relational love. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they are in love with each other. And in that love, out of that love, comes all creation. Love created created what we know as the heavens and earth. Love created mankind. It all came out of love. And it's meant, all of it's meant to be connected to this love that created it. Because that's the source. See, we're all having to get plugged back into the source of the love that created us. The Father created mankind with a core need for loving relationship with him and he is the ultimate source of love to fill it. That's an important thing that we need to realize that the Father is the ultimate source of love to fill our hearts. And so I love this, uh, this quote from Thomas Merton. And he makes this statement. One thing above all is important the return to the Father. The Son came into the world and died for us, rose and ascended to the Father, sent us his Spirit, that in him and with him we might return to the Father. All point to this one great return to the source. Wonderful statement. And all of a sudden, it began to, I began to realize that this is the movement. And here's the movement that brings us back to the source. It is the sending of the Son in love. The sending of the Son in love is, is the great movement of the Bible to bring us back to the Father. John 14, 6, the great you know, one-way gospel that says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you see, Jesus is the one way. He is the truth and the life. And when we come to believe in him, that is our salvation. 
But once we receive his salvation, we need to realize that he wants, now that he has been the vehicle of the Father to save us, his mission is to lead us to the Father. John, that's, that's the fullness of John 14, 6. Jesus came to die for our sins that we might be saved. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the gospel. See, the Father so loved the world that he gave, he sent his only Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So the Father sent Jesus to save us. And then, this is, and then lead us to the Father to become his beloved sons and daughters. You see, the Father sent Jesus to save us. And once Jesus is in us, his job description now is lead lead this person into the Father's presence so that they can become beyond saved, they can become sons and daughters. In Luke 10, 22, Jesus says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So Jesus is on this mission in our life to reveal the Father to us. And when Jesus was here, Jesus came to show us what experience the Father's love looked like in his humanity. Jesus was the God-man. Uh, he was the divine son. But when he came to earth, he laid aside this divine prerogative and he became a human being. Now he was... That's the great mystery. He's the God-man. Fully God, but fully man. He, and in his humanity, he is just like us. Physically, uh, emotionally, spiritually, all, except without sin. So he lived a human life. And one of his great things in his life was to show humanity and show us today what does it look like for a human being to receive the love of the Father that they're looking for. And there's two movements in the Gospel of John that help us understand Jesus trying to teach us what the Father's love looks like to be loved by him in this life. In John 5, 19 through 20, there's this incident where Jesus has healed a, a, a paralytic person, but he did it on the Sabbath and he got in trouble. And so the Pharisees are asking him, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And Jesus gave them this answer. He says, first of all, my father's work works on Saturday, and I'm working too. <laughs> and then said, and they said, hey, you're making God out to be your father. And he said, well, that's exactly right. But then he said this, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself he can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. And here's the key verse. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. And the Greek word there is phileo. In John 3:16, where it says God so loved the world, that's the familiar agape. That's the, that's the theological movement of God's mercy from heaven to earth. But Jesus says here, the Father loves the Son, and as a result, shows him all that he's doing. And the Greek word is phileo. He says, well, the Father loves me with a phileo love. Now, that's a demonstrated natural affection, like, you know, a, a mother with a child. You know, two good friends hugging this filial love. And so here Jesus is saying to, to all the Jewish people that God is not only a God who can love you with the, the merciful hesed of the Old Testament, but he can love you with phileo, this rakam, this, this deep love that is talked about 
And, and this is revolutionary. And not only does Jesus say this, but when we look closely at his life, we'll see that he demonstrates the experience of it when he is baptized. When Jesus is baptized at the very beginning of his ministry, he's giving us the model. This is what it looks like for a human being to experience the love of God the Father coming from heaven to earth. In, in the text, uh, we'll read this, and you can just sort of picture the movement. It says, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. An amazing thing. Jesus comes up out of the water as a human being, and they were told in Luke that he prays. He, he, he knows certain things have to happen to him as a human being in order to be the Messiah and accomplish his mission. He needs power and love. He prays, and then the heavens are torn open. And I, I love this phrase because it's the same thing as when the veil was rent in the table, uh, rent in the temple. When violent, and it's like the father says, I can't wait to get at my son. He's asking for my love. I'm going to open up the heavens and sends the spirit who comes with power to anoint him, but comes like a dove to bring him this phileo love. And then the result is, is that this voice speaks. And you think, what could, what could the Father, what could God speak over the Messiah to lay out the whole, everything he needed to know? And he, he, he just needed to say one thing that would be, would drive Jesus' heart in ministry. And that was, you are my son. And I love you. And I am well pleased with you, and you haven't done anything yet. And that is the great picture of the experience of the Father's love. I like the way Brennan Manning puts it. He says, the baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan was an awesome personal experience. What an earthquake in the human soul of Jesus. And I love that. The, and an earthquake in the human soul of Jesus. I call this the E-moment. The E-moment, the emotional moving moment when the heart and soul is touched and moved by love. And you've all experienced these in life. Maybe it's uh, through someone you loved, a child you held, uh, uh, through a song you heard or worshipped. But you feel it. You feel it here. It moves here and it bubbles up and it warms you inside. And, and you live for that in life. The love of God is meant to be felt. And the love of the Father was felt by Jesus. You're meant to feel it. Because he, he wants you to know in the, deep inside you and in your soul that you are loved. And the E moment is when it just sort of rocks your soul and moves your soul. That's what we're meant to experience. I have experienced that in many of you. You see, Jesus met us, and then we went to work for Jesus. Good, exactly the right thing to do, like many of you are doing. But we hadn't found the Father's love yet. So the thing was, is I thought God the Father was like my dad. I got to hit the glove. I got to sort of work out my salvation with fear and trembling, which is not a bad thing. So I worked at everything. Reading my Bible, memorizing scripture, reading every Christian book I could find, you know, looking at every ministry opportunity, and, and, and just working even to a place of just burning out. If you work hard in the church, you usually get, get lifted up. These people are always looking for good workers, you know, especially if the pastor and the whole group is working hard to try to make something happen. By the way, 
That in itself in life is a big mistake. Love finds you. You you don't make love happen. You can work hard out of love, but you if you're working hard to get love, you'll be disappointed and damaged and find yourself lonely. And I found myself in that position because my whole thing was the whole target is big church. <laughs> then Eddie will have hit the glove and Father will be pleased. And I'll be pleased too, you know. But so I sort of went for that. And part of that was, was, was good. Touched hundreds of people, thousands of people. And there's a lot of people in the ministry today that love the Lord as a result of that. God uses it all because we're all a mixed bag. You know, we're all mixed motivations. And, but love is the best motivation. So the thing was is that, you know, I gave it my best, but after years I burned out. And then by the grace of God in Janet's counsel, God bless you, Janet. She said, you need to go talk to this John Wembley guy, which was John Wimber. We had heard about him counseling young pastors who were burned out. So anyways, we end up meeting with John Wimber, and he lays hands on us, and guess what? We receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we're progressing. We're progressing along. Because you need the power to feel the love. You, you need the Spirit's presence and power to bring feeling, experience. And the thing is, is, so he lays hands on us and we're filled with power. And so what? we like the power and that's good. And, and we end up ministering in power. And my specialty was, for many years, was deliverance. I love that. That was the, you know, when, you know, being involved in that stuff. Uh, but the problem was is that even though God's power was on me and it was wonderful, I, I began to discern something about myself. And that, this would happen whenever John Wimber would ask me to come home because I traveled with him a lot and he'd invite me to, you know, he'd teach and then he'd invite me to come up on the stage and he would call somebody up there like a blind person and, and, and Eddie come up. And I'd be sitting there like Mike is and I'd be just loving it and then he'd say, Eddie, come up. And I'd go, oh God. You know? Because it's hard to heal a blind person. <laughs> I mean, there's a real chance of failure in front of everybody. And I would sweat that out, man. Uh, and I'm not saying that every blind person was healed by any means. But the thing was that a lot of them were and it was by the mercy and grace of God. Once again, we just do our best. God does something better. And, but the thing was this. I realized I was so paralyzed by fear that whenever John would ask me to go on a trip, I, 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 was, I wanted to say, I don't want to go. And then so I had this paralyzing fear. And it, it all changed once when I was with John in Oklahoma City, a couple thousand people at this conference, just John and I, and then on, you know, on Friday night, you know, there's uh, John preaches and there's this ministry time. It's just incredible. And afterwards, John said, hey, do you want to come up to my room to have somebody to eat? And I said, sure, you know, this is cool. And so we're, we're up there and I'm eating a cheeseburger. And, you know, I, I said, that's getting better than this. Here I am with John and, you know, and hanging out. And then he said, Eddie, the reason I have you here is because I just uh, got a phone call from Anaheim and there's a crisis back there. I have to leave in the morning, first thing on the plane. You've got to take over tomorrow. <laughs> I just, you talk about getting a knot in your stomach and not enjoying your meal. Going to eat another bite. Just the fear hit me of standing in front of those 2,000 people. And, you know, immediately they know I, he's not John Wimber, you know. And uh, so... That night, I can hardly sleep. You know, I'm just so nervous, and I get up in the morning, and, and I was a runner then, so I started running. I'm just going to, I didn't, I wasn't sure I wanted to come back. It was like the <laughs> Forrest Gump thing. But I, but I come back, and I said, oh, I'm so nervous, I'm paralyzed. And so I get into this jacuzzi, and I'm in the jacuzzi, and I'm trying to relax, and I look up into this blue Oklahoma sky, and I see this jet contrail going over. I look at the watch. It's 8.08. I still remember it. 
And I knew that that's when John's flight left. And man, you talk about, oh, paralyzed, going to drown in the jacuzzi. And then, all of a sudden, I just sort of lifted my hand and said, Father, you need, I need your love now. And the result was, is that I just, my wife just, get away from the edge. <laughs> She's so afraid I'm going to fall off the edge one of these days. <laughs> Thank you. So, but I just lift my hands up in the air, and I know Jesus, and I know the Holy Spirit, but I haven't really met the Father yet. And when I'm, I'm just saying, Father, you need, I, I need your love now. And all of a sudden, I felt this, this presence on my fingers. And I was a good vineyard person, so I knew that that's okay. And the Spirit came and just started moving down my arm. And then it, and then it, just, it just was like a warm, liquid rush, so, and it just went right to that knot in my stomach. I mean, really, literally. And, I, and, I, and it hit that, and I just started to cry. And I just kept crying. And I said, I said what is that? And like little voices go, this is, this, is my, this is the Father's love. It's like the Spirit speaking to me. And that, that was my transition. And then it was just a month later, I was at a pastor's conference, and, the, and all of a sudden I, I was in this place where you know, I was getting ministry and the Holy Spirit came on me and, and started to push up that core fear that was really there. I was just getting warmed up in the jacuzzi, but when it pushed up that fear, all of a sudden I felt this paralyzing knot and the light of the presence of God, like the face of the Father, just shined around me. And I heard this voice speak. Eddie, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, Eddie, you are my son, and I love you, and you can never fail in my sight. I've only heard those, almost like that audible voice a couple times in my life, and there it was. And when I heard that, all of a sudden, it, it just exploded. It shattered the darkness. And the Spirit came in, and I just began to cry and then wail out a lifetime of fear and, 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 and pain of loneliness. You know, it was just rooted deep within me. And, and I cried for like 20 minutes, and then I rolled over and laughed for 20 minutes. This was way before Toronto. <laughs> and there it was, the, the E moment like happened to Jesus. Now, all of us are meant to have E moments, some dramatic, you know, I, I've only had that experience once, and I've had, but I've had many other experiences that have had the same ingredients. Sometimes they're just, just a tear and the warming and, and the whisper. All of us are meant to have those in some form. And we receive that, those moments through the spirit of love. And here we are in Pentecost weekend. It's all about the coming of the spirit. And one thing I want to share about Pentecost and how the spirit comes to make this a reality. This, see, the spirit is one that brings the reality of Jesus. The Spirit is one who brings the reality of the Father. Because they're one. They're one God, one divine presence, three persons, but they're in harmony. So the Spirit wants to bring this Father's love to us. And in Romans 5.5, 5, listen to this verse. And hope does not put us to shame, Paul writes, because God, the Father, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now just listen to the language. This is the first time Paul writes about this Holy Spirit in the book of Romans. This is his introduction to the Holy Spirit. And it says, God's love, the Father's love, has been poured out into our hearts was the language of the day of Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out. Through the Holy Spirit who has been given us on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit came 
And when the Spirit came, the Father's love was poured out in the hearts of the church. On Pentecost, the Spirit baptizes the emerging church with the anointing of power and the affectionate love of the Father, preparing them to continue Jesus' ministry. See, Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan. Pentecost was the baptism of the church. And ever since then, when when the Spirit comes, the Spirit wants to baptize us again and again, wants to baptize us with power, but even more importantly, with love, the Father's love. And so every person here is meant to have an experience in some degree, in some form of this love. And how do you experience it? By saying yes to love. Saying yes to love. Whenever, wherever you can find love in this life, say yes to it. Say yes to love. The Father is always searching for us. Our whole lives and even tonight. This is the truth. Abba, Father, is searching for you tonight. He is always searching for us. And when we sense he is finding us, when we sense, I feel, I feel love, I'm hearing the word, when we sense it's touching my life, maybe you're at a pregnant moment in your life now, and there's a thing where all of a sudden it's reminding you of something in your childhood, but all of a sudden it's speaking to you, the Father, the Spirit has come, the Father is finding you. And when he's finding us, we best say yes to love. Just say yes. I feel your love. I I hear the word. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to say yes to it. You know, I I went through a long time trying to help a young man last year come to faith in Jesus. And he says, I don't believe in Jesus. But every time I read the Gospels and talk to you, I feel love. And so finally he says, I think I might need to get baptized. What is baptism, he said. So I said, well, I'll tell you what baptism is. It's one thing. It's saying yes to love. It's saying, yes, Jesus loves me. I'm getting baptized. That's it. Boy, has the church made so many of these things so hard. I want to tell you that one of the major problems in Christianity is they make it so hard for all of us. We have to work in such a big way to get such little love. And it's just the opposite. We just have to say yes to love when the Spirit comes and and we, we get the big love. We say yes to faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord regardless of our doubts, regardless if we just hear it and we just say, it sounds good to me. He loved me like that. I'm going to say yes to him. We say yes to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Every opportunity you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, every invitation that's giving, say yes. (laughs) You'll You'll never lose by saying yes to the Holy Spirit. And finally, we say, yes, Abba, Father. Find me with your love here and now. Yes, Abba, Father, find me here, now. I am here by your providence. And I'm going to say yes to your love. Let's stand and have the worship team return. <clears throat> now, as they're returning, uh, let's just all stand and we'll just pause.
Let me just pray and then I'm going to lead you into prayer. I'm just going to say, Holy Spirit, you are here. Holy Spirit, come. Abba, Father, I ask that you would open the heavens above me. Send your spirit of love to rest upon me. I open my heart to you, Abba, Father, my whole life. Find me your son, your daughter, and touch me, my heart, with your love. Now stay in that place. You just stay in that place now. We're in no hurry. And just in your heart of hearts, just keep saying yes to love. If you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, just pray this prayer. Jesus, I say yes to your love for me. Have mercy on me. Save me. And if you've never invited the Holy Spirit to come upon you freely. You've never felt that power and love, then pray this prayer. Just you and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Rest upon me. Fill me. Anoint my life with the power of your presence. Bring the Father's love into my life. And then, if the, this whole thing of the Father's love is new to you, but you, your heart says yes, and as you stand there with your faces lifted up and your hands out, say, just pray this, Abba, Father, Here I am. Find me. Pour out your love into my heart. Now we're going to just stay in this this place in worship. They're going to just lead us in worship. Then when we're done, we're going to have have our baptismal service where you too can be baptized in the Holy Spirit in the Father's love.